If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Glenn Crowther is Executive Director of Sustainable Bay of Plenty Trust. He lives in Tauranga and has more than two decades of experience applying sustainability principles in businesses and local communities. Sustainable Bay of Plenty Trust is an independent, non-partisan and evidence-based organization supporting environmental, social and economic sustainability. And you can find them at sustainablebop.nz. Um, forward slash blog. And Glenn is with us. Hi, Glenn. Thanks for coming on Reality Check Radio. No problem at all, Paul. Being an old Tauranga, well, for four years anyway, um, guy, I'm always interested uh, to see what's happening in Tauranga. And it's such a different place now compared to when I was there in the 80s. Mm. It's one of what, one of the main five cities in the country. Is that fair to say now? Yeah, we, we like to um, talk about ourselves in a big way and, and our city commissioners, so you might get to that, we're, we're, we're run by commissioners rather than a council, as many listeners probably know. And they um, they had a, um, a sort of a business case for putting up a big museum and an exhibition centre. And their, their claim for that was that we didn't want to just be one of the big five cities we wanted to so we, we certainly didn't want to be a regional city um we wanted to elevate ourselves above some of the other metro centers as they called it so we want to be not not just alongside Auckland Wellington Christchurch but sometimes a little bit higher up than them in the pecking order but of course we don't have the population to <laughs> I was going to say do you buy that do you buy that no well I think I think that's a lot of what's at the heart of what we're probably going to talk about today which is Sometimes I think, you know, having grown up here and then come back to live here, we, we get a little bit, um, you know, blown up in our expecta- expectations because we go and live somewhere, you know, overseas and we think, oh, this is great. And then we come back and think, oh, we, we need a few of these things. We need what London has, you know, but of course, <laughs> who's going to pay for that? And, and I think that's why as a sustainability person, um, you know, I've always looked at it as not just about the environment, although that's a key part, and we're certainly not doing well in Tauranga in terms of environmental issues, but um, it's also about can we actually financially and economically sustain this in the long term, and, uh, you know, I don't I don't think we can. Sure, surely that. that's the first, if you're looking for, you know, the, the hierarchy of sustainability uh, bullet points or whatever, <laughs> being able to afford it is surely one of the first ones, because that's... I mean, you you can't escape that. Yeah, I mean, it, it is absolutely the case. And I think even, you know, I think there are, you know, dare I say there are some greenies who talk about sustainability. Certainly a lot of other people throw that term around like confetti at a wedding and they, they'd say this is sustainable, that is sustainable. But, you know, if it doesn't tick all the boxes, if it doesn't work for the people who live here, if it doesn't, you know, stop, you know, stop the environment from degrading and, and if you can't afford it, then it's not sustainable. It's got to tick all those boxes to be sustainable. Yeah, this headlong rush and Tauranga is not the only place. We've talked to other uh, cities, other um, council members all around the country, and to varying degrees, there's a headlong rush into more debt. Yeah, and some of it's kind of eye-watering. Where you, when you look at how many ratepayers support it, you know the average incomes of those. And I was thinking back to Dunedin. You know, they're not. 
Um, I mean, they're doing okay, but they, they're not made of money, and there's only 17,000 of them, and they're paying a million a week on interest already. Why do you think there's this, um, talking about sustainability, this this headlong rush into debt when we, we, we already know the traps of that? Why yeah, aren't the alarm I, bells ringing like they, well, maybe they should be? But I do wonder if we've just, you know, um, lost lost some numeracy, to be honest. You know, I, I hear people sitting around tables, probably more, you know, younger people, to be honest, um, but certainly across the age spectrum, there are people sitting there who seem to sort of not not really understand the numbers they're talking about. And you get up to a billion dollars debt in, in Tauranga at the moment, and and you think we've only got 60-odd thousand ratepayers, and you can do the sums, you know, pretty easily and figure out how much debt per ratepayer, what the interest will be on that debt. And we're, we're going to be in Tauranga City, the, the average ratepayer will be paying around $1,000 um, a year out of our rates. So, you know, let's say we're paying three or 4000 a year, um, with lots more to come on on top of that soon. Um, but of that, you know, a, a good chunk, like a thousand, will be just for the interest on the debt. So, like you say, it's a huge, huge issue. But I think there are two reasons for the debt, and one of them I do have a lot of sympathy for councils, especially where there's a lot of population growth, because central government they want to cover up our economic deficiencies, so they bring in a whole lot of immigration. And it's being talked about, I see, by the Prime Minister this week. And we're, so we've got, you know, both parties have done it and they bring in a whole lot of immigrants and they come to places like Auckland and then either the immigrants themselves or, or the Aucklanders come to places like Tauranga and we've got to build a whole lot of houses and that means put a whole lot of wastewater pipes and all this and that. And before you know it, we're putting so much money into handling the growth that, that we're just piling more debt on top of the people who already live here and and I think that's almost out of those councils' control to some extent. But then on top of that, you've got councils like the current Tauranga City Council plan, which is going, well, you know, we've got a bit of essential infrastructure we've got to do, but we'd like to build all these nice-to-have projects. We'd like to have a stadium, uh, an international exhibition centre and a museum, and or a conference centre would be nice. Maybe we could subsidise developers to build one of those. And before you know it, you've got a whole long list of things which are not core um, infrastructure. And I think both those things come together to create a giant debt crisis, really, to be honest. Yeah, to be able to um, to be able to sell those ideas, you've got to show that, again, here's the sustainable word again, that it's going to pay for it itself. You, you can't just magic it up, right? And, you know, um, Two points you've just mentioned. Going back to the uh, numbers, you know, putting pressure on infrastructure coming in. I take it the citizenry of Tauranga aren't asking for that. They're not begging for more people, are they? <laughs> are they? So there, there are a lot of people who who are, um, and you may have even heard it over the years because it probably started way back, that they want signs up on top of the Kaimai saying, um, you know, sorry, please go home. We're, we're full. Um, now, of course, you know, it, it's it's um, almost, you know, ridiculous that somebody like Taranga, you know, is telling people to go away because um, when you look at the conditions some people live in around the world in some countries, you know, we've, we've got it good here. But uh, I think there's a more of a common sense sort of approach would say, okay, if we are bringing in all this immigration into New Zealand, you know, how are we going to fund the infrastructure? Um, if we can't fund it, maybe we should slow down the immigration. If we are going to fund it, um, where is it most cost effective to do that? And at the moment, we're trying to, you know, build 
you know, crossings across the, the Waitemata Harbour and do stuff in Wellington and do stuff in and, and basically Tauranga is presumably number five on the list because we're the fifth biggest city. And we don't tend to get a lot of help, um, you know, generally with, with a lot of that infrastructure. So I, I don't think it's viable to, to do it that way. Yeah, someone else will have to pay if the the locals are not calling for it and the cost of it's being dumped on them. It, it doesn't seem doesn't seem like uh, the the right thing to do. And as for those nice to have projects, like I say, unless I'm missing something, you better be pretty damn sure that that you're going to be visited in hordes to make the uh, the tills ring and the turnstiles spin to get the money back. Okay, so the consultation for the long term plan for Tolonga, I think it closes at the end of this week, doesn't it? Yep, 5pm Friday. And this is the first long-term plan in New Zealand to go up for consultation. Normally when you have a 2024 long-term plan, it's a 10-year plan, they normally consult early in 2024 and they sign it off in, by 30th of June and that gives them a month to sort of um, put, put out the rates notices in August. And so it's just the standard way that councils tend to do that. And... Um, and some councils, because of the change of government, um, some of them have, have noticed that and they've kind of gone, oh, we've got a bit of uncertainty around three waters and transport funding. We're not quite sure, you know, how what the timing will be for some of that policy change. So we'd better delay our plan. And our neighbouring council, Western Bay of Plenty District Council, has done that. And they've said that's... Taiho, give, give another three months and we'll sign it off in September. You know, no skin off anyone's nose. Um, Ten years down the track, we won't notice any difference. Instead, Tauranga City Council's commissioners have said we're going to bring it forward by four months. Um, they've seemingly not noticed that there was um, a, a different party or coalition government running the country because they've assumed that three waters reforms are still going ahead the way Labour is going to do it. And so they've taken out all their three waters assets out of the plan and that means they've also taken all the debt from Three Waters out of the plan, which is huge, and they've taken out all the spending on Three Waters out of the plan. So what you've got is a, you know, supposedly a 10-year plan showing everything that we're going to be having to deal with, except Three Waters isn't there. And if, unless I'm missing something, the coalition agreements are pretty stra straightforward. They're going to ditch Labor's Three Waters reforms. Yeah. And it'll cost a bit, but, you know, the public have had their say. And, um, and and I can't for the life of me figure out why Tauranga City Council isn't actually at the very least they should have had a plan B, but they um, they've sort of hidden hidden away a table way in the back of sort of Appendix Twelve or something, you know, at the back of the plan. And it's got one table with what the real cost will be if we keep through waters, and that is scary. The debt levels will absolutely go through the roof. So, do you think they were caught out by? What happened on on election day? You think? Well, I don't think. I mean, Anne Tolly. How could you be? This is the chair of the commission, so I, I don't realistically think that that's stupid. I, I think that these are um, people who have a have an agenda. They um, Minister Mahuta appointed them in um, in early twenty twenty one. They started and they got a renewed um, two year term in twenty twenty two. And um, they, in fact, Commissioner Tolly has uh, written to me and said that um, they're not rushing the plan, that their mandate is to deliver the plan in plenty of time before they go in July next year. There'll be elections here 
finally on 20th of July, 2024. And um, and they're sort of saying, well, you know, that's we're just doing our job. But my question, and I guess what our trust has raised publicly, is mm. if, if their job is to deliver a plan before they go, they just needed to do what they've always done. And on the 30th of June, make sure they've signed off their plan. And then a few weeks later, they're gone. But instead, what we think the real thing is, is that they want to sign up contracts for the big expensive projects that they're locking in in this plan. So things like an international exhibition centre uh, and this, as part of the Civic Centre project. Um, they've now got a new, um, you know, memorial park. They want to yep. basically demolish the latest plan is this massive cost overruns and what they're planning there. So they're out, they're out consulting on a plan that says we want to spend $128 million there. And then before the, the consultation even finishes, they've come out in a meeting this week saying, um, actually, it's now $182 million. So not $128, $182. Right. Yep. And so they're now changing that. So to me, this is just mad because they're um, they're rushing around, changing things as they consult. And at the end of it all, I don't know if anyone's tallied up the numbers, especially if Three waters is still council's responsibility. Yeah, um, has that been a necessary thing, the commissioners? I mean, really, for as long as it's been? Well, I, I mean, if you ask our local business elite, for want of a better word, if you ask the property developers group called Urban Task Force, which is now um, sort of setting up meetings, um, trying to find, quote-unquote, the right people to stand as councillors in the election in July, okay. they would say the commission has been fantastic and their their whole platform that they're trying to encourage people to stand on is to just keep going the way the commissioners have been going and and just we need more of this infrastructure. And they're quite explicit, saying we've we've got a lot of investments in this city and we need to have the council invest more money to support our investment. Yeah, but the, but the ratepayers don't have lots of investments. That's the risk <laughs> the property developers take. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So Absolutely. And, and I've got to say, Paul, on that, um, you know, I, we've tried to, you know, go tag along and have a, have a listen and try to be fair-minded to these good property developers who've supposedly done so much for the city. And um, I asked them if they had a, a discounted membership because they they have membership of their organisation is $5,000 per year. Oh. I said, we're just a, a little charitable trust without much funding. And they said, no, we don't have a discounted membership. We have a resident and ratepayers association chairman who asked if he could attend this meeting where they were trying to uh, promote good quality candidates. And he was going on behalf of his local residents and ratepayers, and they said, no, sorry, it's members only. So basically, if you can't pay $5,000, you can't even get in the room with those guys. And we think that's not going to be a very good sign for the election. You're going to have a well-fund, they're saying quite openly, we're going to fund candidates who carry on with the good work that the commissioners are doing, whereas a lot of us are in a very different space. And we think the commissioners have rammed through undemocratic changes on the city without getting any consent from the from the public. So that relationship I'm picking up, you think, is is way too cosy? It's way too cosy. And, and I think that, you know, the, for a start, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm 
<laughs> I suppose I'm in good company on this radio station that, um, you know, I, I was like a conspiracy theorist, you know, just sort of venturing my thoughts, sort of thinking, well, it seems to me something strange must be going on in the background. But um, but in recent weeks, it's become very explicit because the invitation to this meeting by the $5,000 a head membership organisation came out with a Tauranga City Council email footer on it. So they're obviously collaborating. Close. Okay, that was a bit of a slip up then, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're just quite happy. I mean, they're pretty open. In they're, your face. I mean, the commissioners are saying that they um, listen to everyone in the city, but they just happen to respond to the uh, to the sort of the business people and don't seem to respond to all the resident ratepayer groups. That's what. We have, have they made promises? The commissioners have they made promises to these groups? Do you think? Um, well, I don't know so much whether it's as straightforward as that, but I do know that they have been very much aligned in what they have delivered with what their terms of reference were. And behind that lies what I think is this crucial issue, which is that the reason they came in was be- was supposedly because of a bit of infighting with councillors. But having known, well, all those councillors, I knew, you know, worked with them all, um, that um, I think the real issue was that some of them were trying to push ahead things that the community didn't want, and there were split views within Tauranga, just like any city. And rather than actually work them through in a democratic way and, and sort of say, well, some people don't want a big, expensive exhibition centre worth hundreds of millions of dollars, some people want to actually you know, keep the debt down, instead they the government had enough of that, and, and Minister Mahuta basically said, no, you know, democracy's not working here. We need to impose these commissioners because they're not delivering on the growth agenda. And that was very explicit. And and the, these, the commissioners have done exactly what, you know, it's what's on the label. They came here to deliver a growth agenda. The property developers for years have wanted to have a well-funded, you know, growth agenda where they can just build houses and make lots of money. Well, I guess the council can take on new ratepayers. Uh, that way, but um, yeah. uh, I don't know if that actually actually ends up benefiting anyone. Um, you can chase you can chase things like that. Whether it ends well, up well, the way. evidence is there actually, Paul, because they've just um, yet again come out and said there's a big shortfall on um, what they call the developer contribution. So what the developers are supposed to pay for the growth, um, and so it means when you when you track it all that. They've often said growth pays for growth, but now they're admitting openly growth does not pay for growth. And even if you allow for all those extra ratepayers, it still means we're in a worse off position in terms of our debt than you know if we hadn't built all this stuff anyway. So, so quite clearly, it's, it isn't sustainable in the long term. The question is, can we kind of? Is this just another little blip, a few more years of growth, and then we'll? then we'll do some sustainability after that. <laughs> and I think that's where we see it. They're, they're always saying, we're not quite yet, you know, we're not quite ready for a sustainable city yet. We've just got to just got to spend a few more, you know, billion dollars and then we'll then we'll be sustainable. Yeah, the um that growth agenda that you mentioned there, connecting it to, I guess, the Labour government and Mahuta as the minister and, you know, how that that, that turned out with commissioners. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think that a Labour government would be wanting to minimise the <laughs> the rate burden of the average working class person, not load load them up? Uh, or am I missing something there? No, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've had uh, 
like a, like a lot of the listeners have sort of had a few ideas shaken up in the last few years. And, um, and I, I think that's, it, to me, it's a puzzle because um, what one of the things that, that the Labour government did was they introduced the um, IFF, Infrastructure Funding and Financing yep. Act, which allows off-the-books debt. Now, the reason they did that, um, probably in their eyes, is because they were trying to alleviate a problem for councils because councils were quite rightly saying, gosh, all this growth is so expensive, we're hitting our debt limits. Um, and, and besides that, the ratepayers can't afford it. So um, so how about, you know, you do something to help us out? And and seemingly the Labour government thought, well, okay, well, we'll we'll do this off-the-books debt. And and I think it's basically just some you know modern form of magic where they just they just well they think it is, um, because they just say, oh well, what we'll do is we'll um We'll allow you to borrow, um, well, in the case of Tauranga City Council, $177 million for one project and 152 for another. So that's, you know, third of a billion dollars on a couple of projects. And you don't have to show it on your council books. So when right. you go out with a with this long-term plan, you don't have to show when it has the, the level of council debt or the, um, you know, the, the amount of um, funding you need for certain projects. You don't have to list that as being officially responsible by the council, but the ratepayers are still responsible. They just have like a, almost like a set, separate set of books on the side, which they keep for that. And I, I liken it to if you've got a mortgage and you've got a mortgage with one of the banks and then some hustler, you know, who's, who's doing some um, financing from... From a from a finance company, they sort of say, "Well, hey, you know, you, you've hit your hit your mortgage limit there, but we can slip you a you know another hundred grand if you know if you want to you know do something on your property, we'll we'll slip it to you, but you'll pay a bit more because the the interest rate will be higher." I mean, you, I'll tell you what, you won't even need to tell your bank, you won't even need to tell anyone. We'll just just do it on the side and it's off the books, and that's what that's what's happening. And and Labor allowed that to happen. I don't know national. Don't seem to have any plans to undo it, and I don't know about the other parties, but um, but we think it's so much better to keep it all on the books because then everybody knows what the debt is, everybody knows who's paying for it, and the whole reason you have a debt limit is so is so that you can make it affordable for for the ratepayers. Yeah, and um, in the end, it's the ratepayers who are in the gun, no matter what, right? So you get your, your your debt blows out to almost unmanageable. It's the ratepayers who are going to have to pay. And and the city council here has they've got um, we stuck up a graph that we created to sort of show it, but it, you know it shows a, a steady increase in debt. As probably all the councils, like you say, they always have a steady increase in debt year after year. Um, and the curve's got a bit steeper in Taranga. But when you add in this off-the-books debt, it means we go from 349 million, yeah, say 350 million um, back six years ago, we've tripled our debt, <coughs> excuse me, tripled our debt um, six years later um, to 1.05 billion net debt. And then Taranga City Council's debt will go up to two point something billion, presuming you know three waters reforms don't go ahead. Um, but all this off the book stuff will mean we'll be pretty much close to three billion dollars at the end of this ten year plan. So to you know when you think about it, that's not. I mean, it's 
it's, it's a decade and a half, but to go from 350 million to $3 billion of debt and think of the interest on that. And it's a, a city of, a, you know, at the moment, 61,000 ratepayers having to, to fund that. That's crazy because, um, like I, uh, I mentioned before, I knew that Dunedin were paying, I'm pretty sure it was a million a week, and that was on their debt almost a year ago, and interest rates have risen since then. So if you're talking three in the three to four billion dollar range, you're talking a hundred and fifty million, maybe more, just an in interest per week. It could be. Yeah, pe- people at the moment are paying uh well next year's rates bill it'll probably be about a thousand dollars per rate pay, give or take. Well um, that could be your personal interest costs, depending on how you manage your finance for a whole year anyway. Yeah, you know, so, just so in your when, own, and there you are having to pay it for the bloody city. <laughs> and then, then the, you know, to think that it's going to be, you know, in this plan that they're currently consulting on, they're basically saying we're going to triple the, the debt, so presumably triple the interest payments on the debt, especially because, um, I, I mean, I know interest rates are a bit higher at the moment than they were, but but the thing is, we're getting all this off the books debt in Taronga. We're the first; we've been the first council to do that because of these government-appointed commissioners. And um, and so that's more expensive, as I said. So we're not going to get the cheapest interest rates. And then the final kicker, if I can just sort of... Yeah, that, let's that, hear the final kind of, kicker. That, that, that's sort of, you know, almost bad enough on itself. Um, but then they're sort of they're saying that it is... Uh, I've got a quote here from, from in, their, in their plan. Um, it is cost prohibitive to deliver all necessary initiatives within the upcoming 10-year time frame. So in spite of all this debt, in spite of all the off-the-books borrowing, um, they're saying that there is they won't be able to deliver all the necessary projects to, to meet the three waters requirements, and they still have $4 billion of unfunded transport projects, um, which, um, you know... That's that's you know potentially you could say you could double the debt we're going to end up with. If well, we... what's a transport project exactly, or is that like encompass so many things? Well, that's yeah. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> one of the one of the issues that our trust has consistently raised is what projects should go ahead and what ones shouldn't go ahead. Um, and at the moment, I mean, you'd know Cameron Road from back in the day. Oh, yeah, I do. Yep. And in a, in a New Zealand context, it's just the typical main road in the in a city. You know, it's nothing too, wasn't anything too exceptional. Um, the only difference was it had a very wide corridor. For those who know it, um, you know, you, you had a lot of space. And, yep. and it was two lanes each way for, for, for cars and trucks. That's and right. But, yep. um, but you, you, you had a lot of you know, berms and things on the side and a big median strip. And um, so anyway, at one point they said, well, we should we should look at, you know, making this a bit better for people who are biking up and down the road. And, no, no, yeah, okay, here we go. Cyclists. Yeah, well, we, yeah. see, I actually thought, well, that's, that's not a bad idea because uh, I didn't, I thought, well, you know, you've got two names for the cars and trucks and everything. And so making sure the cyclists are safe, you know, um, that seemed okay, and I, I didn't think it would be, be that expensive. But I was very naive because, as as they went through a whole big process, um, and I was one of the people. I think I was at one point a quote key stakeholder, um, and we were in these meetings and we were pointing out a few problems. Um, initially, it was that they um, wanted to narrow the road and have one lane each way, and we were pointing out, you know, apart from anything else, I remember the um, the, the St John's and the 
the um, fire service was pointing out that wouldn't be very good for emergency vehicles. So they they nixed that idea. And then they, they came up with this very expensive proposal. And, and we ended up, the, funnily enough, there were a bunch of community and environmental groups who all wrote to the Minister of Transport, the Labour Party Minister of Transport at the time, and said, this project is going to be a, a waste of money. It's, it's, you know, it's going to be $45 million because the cycling people were opposed to it. The Bay Plain Regional Council who runs the buses were opposed to it. And the government agency, NZTA, they were opposed to it. Yeah. And um, the only people who wanted it seemed to be um, a few people at Tarrant City Council. So we thought, well, this is just common sense. We didn't know many people who supported it. Even the, one of the consultants, um, they ended up pulling out of the project. They didn't seem to support it. So funnily enough, nobody did anything. It just went ahead. It doubled in cost. So the last we've heard, it's close to $100 million. 100 um, million. And it's it's gone on for two and a half years, I think it is. It's been hitting the front page regularly um, with, you know, even just this week, there's someone else complaining that they were told they were going to have parking outside their shop and all the parking's been removed. Just walking walking back to the office to have this discussion with you, people are bailing me up saying, what's happened to all the parking that was promised on Cameron Road? Look, this is not just unique to Tauranga. No, this I is know. A, this is a plan. This is about the fifth time I've heard this. But that, the, uh, it's but all, about, it's that, all it, about clearing people out. It is. Well, well here, here's my view on that, which is that they are selling it as a sustainability project, as a low-carbon project. And I know, I know a number of your listeners who will be, uh, <laughs> who will be saying that it's kind of a, um, you know, well in keeping with what's happening. The, the thing that upsets us as a trust is we're, we're all about evidence and sustainability, and we're saying it's not even low carbon. It's actually going to, there's a business case which says it won't reduce carbon emissions. So this whole thing of them doing this project is that it's you're going to get less than a dollar worth of value back for every dollar council and taxpayers invest. You're going to get no reduction in carbon emissions. You're going to get slower bus journey times because they're putting in a whole lot of, they're doubling the number of traffic lights. And the cyclists are unhappy because they're sticking bus shelters and rubbish bins and things in the middle of the cycle lanes. So nobody seems happy with it. The businesses, some of them have been driven out of business. Others have been complaining. And the kicker is that they're coming in now and they've they've just decided yesterday to move ahead with stage two of this project, which is another three years of work further down Cameron Road. And that one shows that you will get 67 cents back of value for every dollar you spend. What's on. wrong with these people? Do you think? <laughs> I mean, it, I honestly struggle to to explain it. They, Is it like some sort of obsession they're afflicted with? I yeah, I mean, no I, reverse gear can never go back. <laughs> yeah, well, they certainly. I would say that the commission, the com- the four commissioners have you know jumped on the accelerator and they are going full bore to deliver their preferred projects. They have you know, establish good relationships with property developers and with with a lot of local hapu and different different key stakeholders and they have got some buy-in to some projects and they're just going hell for leather to get them done before they leave the city. Um, so I think that's that's a given. But why they don't actually try to promote better value projects, you know, that I, I just it, it seems unless like there's a payoff. Again, 
is my little reptile reptilian part of the brain at work. Unless there's some sort of payoff that uh, makes it more worthwhile to go against the common sense and um, and I don't know the data and the evidence. You you do something like that when you you know when there's there's more to it. Otherwise, you're stupid. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, uh, let's just say these people are not stupid. But Who, who's getting the money? Who's making of, the money? The Department of Internal Affairs themselves, when they looked at the nominate, you know, people who could be commissioners, and they reviewed. There was a review done of what their skill sets were. They did have, you know, these people are not numpties. They have certain skill sets, but that none of them had good financial skills. Yeah, but who uh, do they know? What are their relationships? Well, See, they're, they're all encumbered, yeah, because Tolly's been around forever. Yep. The, the, they know people. There's, sorry, but you got to ask the question: How do they? How does that network operate? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no answer to that. No, I, I know that, I'm, and don't I just, an I'm just, that is a good question. I, I suppose the other thing that um, I would say is that they, you know, they have tried to grasp a few issues in support of residential ratepayers, and they have um, they've increased commercial rates higher than residential rates, right. and they have tried to help residential ratepayers there. But, of course, because of the high rates increases overall, that means the commercial ratepayers, and this year the industrial ratepayers will get slammed really hard. So it, it does seem, no matter what they do, you know, they do some good things, but they sure do some things which, you know, are not sustainable. And... Um, when you look at the overall mix, I think they've just, you know, got an agenda, they're delivering it. And one of the things I will mention, because it'll probably be of interest to people outside of Tauranga, is they are looking to be the first council to trial the road pricing. So... Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In their document, their long-term plan document... 15-minute cities. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a not a sign-off... Um, I mean, I, I've got to say, I mean, I, I've had conversations with lots of people around the 10, 15, 20-minute cities. I, I, my attitude is, you know, if people are free to go wherever they want, bring it on, because if, if the real, you know, 15-minute city is that I can have a whole lot of things in my neighbourhood and, and I can just wander down the road to them, that's... Yeah, that's you know, the convenience sell. That's great. Okay. But, yeah. but here what they're talking about is um, a $2 charge not not what's being talked about in Auckland, but a $2 charge to drive on any of the state highways around Tauranga. And if you've come to Tauranga, uh, you know, you'll know that there are more state highways. There are actually two toll roads here, but there are more state highways. I've been on, on the toll, per, one of them. Per yep. square kilometre than anywhere in the country. So, you know, everywhere you go, you've got to get on a highway pretty much. And so you will be stung if this proposal goes ahead with a $2 charge and a per kilometre levy. And... Our, our concern is that they, you know, they've done some work on it, you know, good, they've got a proposal, they've gone out to the public, but based on what's happened before, they often just um, seem to push it ahead to the next step. And we think at the moment it's just going to be, you know, a tax, another tax on people using their cars because we don't have the kind of public transport system that Wellington or the, the other thing it does, Glenn, is also it gives away your position all the time. Well, there's, yeah, now, I mean, but, I, who, who voted for that? Yeah. Have we missed anything? Is there, are there any final things to say? Um, no, I think it, I'd just encourage any locals to to have a say. And, and I guess people around the country 
you know, hopefully, you know, they're aware that it, we can actually lose democracy, not just, you know, the international and national level that's sometimes talked about on RCR, but, but you know, when you, when you experience it in your own city, to me it's quite an eye-opener to think that we have lost a lot of control of decisions that previously we could go and talk to our councillors about, and now we just have no say at all in a lot of these things. Wow. Okay, Glenn Crowther, Executive Director of Sustainable Bay of Plenty Trust. Thanks for coming on RCR, Glenn. Thanks, Paul. See ya. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.